If you are a follower of Jesus, you are in exile in a foreign land. This is what Peter says in his epistle. We are exiles. We are strangers. Just as they lived in Babylon, we live in a Babylon, quote-unquote, today. We live in a foreign world, a foreign culture. Our home is heaven. And so our series that that we're in this month is simply entitled Life in Babylon. They lived in Babylon. We live in Babylon. How is it that we are to live in this culture, in this day, for Jesus Christ? A few years ago, this is a picture of Highland Park Baptist Church. This is where Cindy and I met. We went to college here. This is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, last June, June 2022, uh, that building there where the, the one to, your, to the right, that's Chauncey Good Auditorium. We would go to chapel in there every week for all our years there at Tennessee Temple. We, that's where we had our chapels. And it was a large auditorium. It doesn't look very big from the street, but it was a large auditorium. Kathy, you went to school back to the same place as well. And uh, uh, last June, they found out that the buildings aren't fireproof. Sad to say, they burned down. I mean, this was like a piece of history. These buildings used to be full of people that came to Jesus in these these halls, uh, people who were trained for ministry. I mean, it was amazing what God did in these places. But you know what? The buildings weren't fireproof. Have you ever wondered about your faith? Have you ever wondered whether or not your faith is fireproof? Whether or not it will withstand the fiery furnaces of life, maybe a test of cancer. And some of you have been through this. Some of you guys, you've been through some fiery furnaces of physical illness and and struggles that, man, just tested your faith, pushed you to the limit. Maybe uh, the death of a child. Some of you have been through that. Some of you have been through the death of a spouse. Uh, Some of you have been through a a terrible divorce, you know, something that just ripped your family apart. Have you ever wondered... What about you? What if you had to go through something like that? Would your faith stand the test? Would it be fireproof? What if the government tomorrow demanded that we deny Jesus? What if the government tomorrow demanded that we no longer meet as a church, that we no longer preach from the Bible, that we no longer believe what we believe? What if the government demanded that of us? What would we do? Would our faith be fireproof? Would we be willing to disobey even though it could mean imprisonment, even though it could mean perhaps losing our lives? Well, in our text, this is one of the most famous passages in the Bible, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. What we're going to learn about tonight are three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That, those were their Babylonian names. Listen to sermon number one in the series if you want to know more about how their names were changed. But they determined that they were not going to disobey God. They disobeyed the king's decree, even though it meant being thrown into a fiery furnace. And so what we're looking at tonight at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're looking at their their faith. They had fireproof faith. When something is fireproof, it is designed to withstand high temperatures. How many of you have a fireproof safe in your, maybe you shouldn't raise your hand. I don't know. Would you be giving away any secrets? I don't know. 
But a fireproof safe. We have this little thing that, you know, you can put fire, you know, stuff that documents that you might want. If the whole house burns down, you know, at least we have this. And I don't, I don't even know what's in there, to be honest. But, but do you have something that's fireproof in your house? Uh, when I'm using tonight this term fireproof, we're talking about the faith that these guys had. They remained cool when the heat was on. How? How did their faith remain fireproof? How can you keep your cool when the heat is on? How can we, as believers today, keep our faith strong in a culture, in a world that is increasingly antagonistic to our Christian worldview? How do we maintain our faith? How do we continue to grow strong in our faith under these circumstances? Here's our big idea tonight. The big idea is simply this. The fiercest test of your faith will be in the fiery furnaces that you face. The fiercest test of our faith will be in these fiery furnaces that we face. That we face. So let's, let's talk about it tonight. The first thing I want us to see here from verses 1 through 15 is simply the fire that they faced. The fire that they faced. And here's the truth. Fireproof faith does not fireproof your life. Think about that. Fireproof faith does not fireproof your life. If, if you were with us last week, you remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with Daniel, they were teenagers when they were taken from their homeland of Judah, and they're dragged off hundreds of miles into Babylon and forced into the king's indoctrination assimilation program. Talked about it last week. But though they were far from home without any accountability and being fully immersed completely in this decadent culture where they had every opportunity to defile themselves. They determined not to defile themselves. They determined that they were going to do right regardless. And God blessed them for that. And God gave them wisdom and understanding and favor with the authority, including the king. And so in chapter 2, after Daniel's interpretation of, of one of the king's dreams, King Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel the ruler over the province of Babylon, the chief governor of all of the wise men in Babylon. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you look at the end of chapter 2, the last verse, they were made, they were appointed managers of the province of Babylon. And so between chapters 2 and 3, and this is how the Bible works, between chapters 2 and 3, there's about 20 years that go by. 20 years. 20 years we don't know anything about. 20 years these guys lived their life in Babylon as believers, as, as men who were trusting God, had their faith in God, who were obeying God for 20 years, just day in and day out, they did their job and they walked with the Lord. You know what? That's how most of life is for us. Not a whole lot of newsworthy stories. Not a whole lot of things to write home to mom about. Just regular days. And, and it's really in those regular days that we just need to walk with Jesus. And it's during those days that our faith 
grows and it, 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 and it can be increased if we will walk with the Lord and trust the Lord through the mundane day-to-day things so that when we end up in these fiery furnaces, we're ready, right? So, so 20 years go by, but don't think that for 20 years they're just doing whatever they want. No, they were walking with God. 20 years go by. And as we open chapter 3, as we just read about a few minutes ago, King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes this image of gold. It's huge. 90 feet, 9 stories, right? 90 feet tall. This big old thing. Maybe the image was of himself, or maybe it was of his god Nebo. We We can't say for certain, but as we just read, hundreds of guests were invited. At first, at the dedication, all of the, the, the rulers, all of those who would have to oversee the, the, the worship of this thing, Nebuchadnezzar invited all the rulers because he wanted them to be first. He wanted, to, he wanted them to bow down, and he wanted them to know what the plan was so that as, when, when he was gone, they enforced his decree. Well, as you keep reading here in chapter 3, the time came... The music played, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice to make. Were they going to disobey the king, or were they going to disobey God? That was the basic choice. Command number one is what? Love the Lord your God, right? It is to have no other gods before me. The first of the ten, right? No other gods. Pretty clear. God's pretty clear on what the, what the right decision was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know what? They chose obedience to God. They did the right thing. Well, that got them in trouble. See, they knew the consequences. The king made it pretty clear as you read from verse 8 down to verse number 15. The the king made it real clear. In fact, right at the very very beginning, you're going to be thrown into a blazing fire. The consequences of their decision was clear before they made their decision. And I don't know about you, but a blazing, fiery furnace sounds terrifying. What do people do when their house is on fire? And you're alert, and you know, and you know to do so, right? You're not sleeping, right? You run. <laughs> you grab. You grab your kids. You leave everything in there, and you run out of your house. They are being threatened with being thrown into the fiery furnace. You see, the trouble with faith is that it doesn't always protect you from the thing that you fear. Faith isn't going to protect you from cancer. Faith in God isn't going to protect you from your spouse dying, from you dying, right? I mean, This is part of living in Babylon. Here, our Babylon. Living on this planet. Faith is not going to protect us always in every situation from those things that we fear. Faith doesn't fireproof our life in Babylon. We have to remember this. We have to remember this. Because we're all going to be in the fiery furnace at times. Jesus told us this, right? Right, church? 
Jesus said, expect suffering. Expect trouble. Expect persecution. Jesus, as, as his followers, Jesus told, he told us that we're going to have trouble on this earth. The apostle Peter later wrote, 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised when you uh, when the fiery ordeal comes among you. He, he uses that, that, that same metaphor, this fiery ordeal, and he says, don't be surprised about that as though something unusual is happening to you. Church, we can expect to encounter fiery furnaces. We can expect for our faith to be challenged living in Babylon. We can expect affliction living in Babylon. And their dilemma is similar to the pressure that we're facing today, though no one is asking us to to bow down to any gold statue, thank God, right? I've never been asked, have you? No, we've never been asked to, to do something so outrightly against God in that way, but but have we been bullied into bowing down to the thinking and practices of the world? Aren't we bullied that way all the time? Aren't we, aren't we told through media and pretty much everywhere you look that, that if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you're some type of a flake or weirdo or bigot or phobe of some sort, right? I mean, bullied into somehow bowing down to whatever the God of Babylon would tell us or have us to do. Well, look, we're not facing death threats. We're not being threatened to be thrown into a a fiery furnace, though you know what? There are millions of Christians, as we all know today, who are being threatened with even death to continue practicing their faith in Christ. But we just have to come to terms with the reality that life in Babylon as an exile of heaven is going to feel more like a fiery furnace than a day at the spa. It just is. Most days. But we're not to live in fear. We're not to live in fear. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, and and I would encourage you, maybe mark this verse in your Bible, maybe memorize this verse if you, if you watch the news at all in the last days and you've seen the, the horrors coming out of Israel and the people who were slaughtered and all of that, remember this verse. Jesus says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot touch your soul. We do not live in fear, church. We do not live in fear. We fear God. We don't fear those who can hurt us. It doesn't mean you can't defend yourself. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, be packing your, your weapon, I don't know, I kind of feel like somebody walked in the room, there's a lot of weapons in here, right? I mean, they're probably not going to make it very far. I'm ducking, you guys shoot, all right? But, but you understand the point. We're not going to live in fear. Jesus told us not to live in fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they show no fear. They don't bow. You know what I find interesting? Out of all the Jews who had been hauled off, into Babylon, only three guys stay standing. It's these three guys. Now, were there no other Jews in the crowd? You kind of have to assume that there probably were a number of them. The idea was to assimilate them 
into the government. The idea so that so to influence the rest of the Jews worldwide, right? To 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 help Nebuchadnezzar rule over those different those various nations. It says that there are people from all the nations there. So why only three? You see, the trouble with faith is that sometimes you have to stand alone. Doesn't always protect you from what you fear. And sometimes we are going to be called on to stand alone. If you don't stand for something, what happens? You'll fall for anything. That's exactly right. And so we need to know what truth is. We need to have biblical convictions. We need to know what God's word says so that we can stand even in the face of the trials. I mean, maybe some of these these Hebrews, these Jews inside Babylon, maybe their thinking was, you know, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. You know, just kind of go along. Get along, you know. Maybe they're thinking, well, if we're ashes in the furnace, we can't represent God very well, so, so we should just bow. We won't bow in our hearts. We'll just bow outwardly, but in our hearts. We'll... These guys took a stand, knowing what was to come. You see, what I believe is fireproof faith doesn't look for any loopholes to avoid the fiery furnaces. It simply obeys God and believes that he will do what's best. It wasn't easy, I'm sure. Can you imagine? But they made up their mind. They're given, in verse 15, a chance to change their mind. Nebuchadnezzar gives them a second chance. They're not going to bow to the false god. And so instead of trying to evade the fires, the fiery furnaces as we live in this Babylon, we should embrace challenging situations, church, as opportunities to practice and grow our faith. Did you hear that? We need to take these opportunities as opportunities to, to grow our faith, to practice our faith through obedience and even sacrifice. Well, not only do we see the, the fire, but number two, we see the faith that they followed. This is verses 16 through 19. Here's the truth. You see it here on the screen. The truth is this. Fireproof faith trusts God despite, despite the threat of the fire. Listen to their answer. This is verse 17 and 18. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Now that's fireproof faith. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about fireproof faith. First, fireproof faith is firmly settled. It's firmly settled. You see, as you read this passage, here's what you see. They're, they're basically saying to the most powerful man on earth at this time. The most powerful man on earth. They're basically looking him in the eyeballs, and they're basically saying, we hear what you're saying, but we're not bowing. Period. That's what they're saying. They had determined to do what pleased God long before this moment. 
No excuses, no compromises, no asking, no pleading for, for leniency. They simply said, no, we won't. Fireproof faith is firmly settled on trusting and obeying God, get this, before the furnace door ever opens. You want a faith that survives the furnace? It has to be a faith that exists and is healthy before the furnace door opens. Because once you feel the heat, if it's not fireproof faith, the closer you get to the, to the furnace, the bigger the chances that you're going to melt. Your faith is going to melt. If you've settled on trusting and obeying God, no matter what happens in life, church, we need to settle on this. No matter what happens in life, no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what happens to me, to my family, whatever happens in our world, whatever happens to our economy, whatever happens to the dollar, whatever, ha whatever happens, it doesn't matter. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to do what is right by his grace, with his help, with his, in his strength. If we don't settle that before the furnace, we will buckle under the pressure. You know what I think's happened? I think 20 years earlier or 24 years earlier, back before these guys were exiled, I think what happened was these guys heard the preaching of Jeremiah. Now, this is just a guess, right? There's no evidence of this. But you read the book of Jeremiah, and we know that Jeremiah, he was preaching in, in Judah. He was, he was telling people, the same way that Amos, as we just studied, went up to the northern kingdom. Jeremiah was in the south, southern kingdom, and he's telling everybody, hey, this whole thing's going down the tubes. You better look to God and repent. And I think these, these young men who were teenagers at the time and their families, if they weren't already walking with God, that it was through the preaching of guys like Jeremiah that they, that they repented and they, they walked with the Lord and they hid God's word in their heart. Fireproof faith doesn't sink when the enemy attacks because it's anchored on the rock. It's anchored in the word of God. It's anchored in God, not in the changing winds of time. Well, a fireproof faith is not only firmly settled, but it's also rightly focused. It says in verse 17, look at their focus. They say this, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. Where's our focus? It's God. Totally God. They are entirely focused on the Lord. They're not focused on the fire. They're focused on their Father. What do we do? Often when there's a fiery furnace staring us down, don't we? Don't we want to look at the fire? How many of you today looked at the eclipse? How many of you wanted to? Nobody? I wanted to. My kids wanted to. There's something about, there's something about when they say, don't look. We all go, where? <laughs> well, what is it about that? There's something about this, these threats, the, the, the fiery furnace of life that we tend to fixate on them. We tend to see those furnaces as big and glowing and hot and, and all we, we, the fears start swelling up, the anxiety in our heart, and we're focusing, we zero in on it. 
And with the, these guys, aren't, they're not even, they recognize it's there, they know it's a threat, but they're focused on God. Church, this is how you develop fireproof faith in your life. When, when the fiery furnace is staring you down, you look to the Lord. You look to Him. You get on your face and you talk to Him and you focus your attention and your faith on Him. Fireproof faith factors in God. God's person, God's providence, God's purpose, God's plan, God's power. I mean, you name it. You focus on the Lord. And when we focus on God rather than what threatens us, you know what we find? We find peace. Peace. Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Where's your mind tonight? Have you been focusing so much on the, the fire, the, the furnace, that what you're going through? Now, on the Lord Jesus said, have faith in God. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in positive thinking. It's faith in God. Fireproof faith is firmly settled. It's faith in God. We also see here from their example that fireproof faith is daily formed. Verse 17. Here's what they, they refer to the God of heaven. They, they say, the God we serve. The God we serve. In other words, their faith, this isn't some new claim of faith. As I said a moment ago, in this time period between chapters 2 and 3, they were practicing, they were serving the king, but they were serving God. They, they don't even bring up serving the king because they've picked, they, in their mind and heart, their life was to serve God. Whether they're serving the king or whatever their employer was, they were there serving God. Well, transform the way you look at your job if it's, I'm, I'm here serving God. But, but their faith was formed and strengthened. It grew over days of time, over weeks of time, over months of time. This wasn't like, we got a problem. We better have faith in God, <laughs> right? Do you see it? Faith is like a muscle. What happens if you don't use a muscle? It atrophies, right? It breaks down. Some of us spend time exercising um, every day, and what happens when you don't, if you've, if you've been exercising, last year I hurt my back in June and I took a long time off from going into the gym and working. I'm over 50, so if I don't, if I don't work at it, it's, you lose it, right? So, um, and I, after missing for a long time, I can tell you I was losing it, like felt weaker. This is, this is what happens. So it is with faith. If we're not exercising Faith. If there's a, a week that goes by without exercising faith, we notice the difference. Have you ever broken a limb? How many of you have broken a limb? Arm, leg, something, right? It, it, you know what happens. Over time, the longer that that's broken, Fred has been laid up for like 10, 11 weeks now without with his feet, his leg propped up, his foot got crushed. And I mean, standing up on that thing and trying to walk, that, that's going to take some work. I mean, how many months were you laying down from your hospitalization and all of that. I mean, it was months. 
It was months, Ron, right? That's what happens. It's the same thing with faith. It's like a muscle. It needs to be exercised. Church, exercise, exercise, exercise faith day in and day out. Why? Because that is how fireproof faith is formed. It's formed over time, over the long haul, over going through many different experiences in life and trusting God through them. The, the fourth thing that we see here about fireproof faith is that it is fully resigned. Here's what they say in verse 18. We're, we're going to trust God to deliver us. We know that he's able to deliver us, but they say, even if he does not rescue us, we're still not going to serve your gods. Even if he doesn't. They're not presuming that God is going to deliver them at all, right? Fireproof faith factors in the ability of God. Yeah, God can deliver me. God can take care of this cancer. God can take care of this financial trouble. God can do that. But fireproof faith not only factors in the ability of God, it also submits to the will of God. This is really important. This is really important. Why? Because if, if in your mind faith means God's going to do what you want him to, when it doesn't turn out, who are you going to blame? When should you be blaming God? They are submitting to the will of God. James chapter 4 tells me we are no gods, Right? James, James says this, he's, he's, he talks about not being presumptuous, not being arrogant. He says, come on, guys, guys, you guys, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such a place and we're going to spend a year there and we're going to trade and profit. He says, you guys who presume that you're going to succeed being there and making a profit, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And James says, don't speak such presumption. You don't really know. Instead, James says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Otherwise, we're just boasting in arrogance. And James says, such boasting is evil. Fireproof faith trusts the outcome to God. If you don't remember anything else from tonight's message, grab a hold of that. It trusts the outcome to God. Father, as Jesus prayed, your will, not mine, be done. Fireproof faith believes that God is still God even if he does not deliver us from the fire we're facing. And that's often the missing element for us. We believe that God is mighty, but we want him to prove it. Right? We want him to prove it, and we think if he doesn't do what we've asked him, he's less of a God. The fact of the matter is, while we know that God can deliver us, we know that we don't always know that he will deliver us in every specific circumstance. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they believed that the God they served was able to save them, but even if he didn't, this is what they believed. He's still supreme God. He's still on the throne. He's still the God of heaven, even if he doesn't. Faith is knowing that God can, but not presuming God must do what I want. He can do what I want. He can. But he always does as he wants. What he sees is best. 
And when we realize in our life that what God sees is best and does is best, boy, it really takes the weight off our shoulders, doesn't it? Because now we're not so, we don't have to demand, we don't have to expect, we, we know that God is our good and loving Heavenly Father will always do what is best for us. You know what? In this situation, you know what was best for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? To go into, into the fire. Into the fire. We should thank God that he doesn't always answer the way we want. We should thank God for that. It's difficult for us to expect, but we should thank God for that, that he's not a genie, you know, Aladdin's lamp, that we can demand of him what our three wishes are. Look, this can apply to so many areas of our life, your job situation. Can God give you a job? You better believe it. But does God... But does it mean that he will give you the job you wanted? No. But if you want what God wants, what difference does it make, right? What difference does it make? Can God heal me of the stroke? Sure he can. But does it mean he will the way I want him to? No. He's God. I'm not. His ways are higher than my ways. His considerations are far greater than my considerations. I suppose it's kind of like, it's almost like a child, right? I mean, what does a child say? Why, mommy, why can't I have what I want? Why, why, daddy, why can't I have what I want? Why can't I have all that candy that I just got from trick-or-treating? Why can't I eat all that tonight before I go to bed? No. You can't because you'll die from a sugar overdose or something. I don't know. But, but parent, we do this as parents. We tell our kids, no, we don't always give them what they want. Why? Because we know that's not what's best for them. Listen, if you can trust God enough to believe that his way is best, you can want what he wants even if it means going into a fiery furnace. Well, the king flies into a rage. How dare they? The fire is stoked seven times hotter. The men who go to throw them into the furnace, they die from the intense heat. And in verse 23, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fall bound, tied up into the fiery furnace. This is probably something in the ground kind of thing. They, throw it, they fall into the furnace but that wasn't the end of them, as Paul Harvey would say. What would he say? Now the rest of the story, something like that. Here's number three, the freedom they found. Look at verses 24 through 27. King Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in alarm. Guys, didn't we throw three people into the fire? Weren't they tied up when we threw them in there? Everybody's watching. I mean, the soldiers that delivered them were dying. Somehow they made it into the fire. They didn't die on the way in like the soldiers did. But it not only appears that they've survived, it appears like they're thriving. Let me point out a couple of things. Number one, they had a friend in the fire. 
Only three goes into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar notices there's four. There's four. What does he say? Well, he says there, the fourth looks like a son of the gods. He didn't know who it was. But he knew it wasn't a man. He knew there was something, it seemed to him there was something supernatural about what was going on. What I think happened here is I think that, that it, this was either the angel of the Lord or Jesus Christ came down and walked with these guys in that fire, through that furnace. I can imagine that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being ushered into this thing, they were thinking, okay, here we go. We're going to die. But it's okay. We're going into God's presence. It's, it's all going to be okay. And here they are in the fire, and they are alive. And there is the angel of the Lord. There is Jesus Christ walking with them like it's a Sunday stroll at the park. Listen, while fireproof faith doesn't fireproof your life, know this, you won't be alone in the fire. You've been in a fire, a fiery furnace right in your life. And you could sense Jesus was there with you, right? He was with you. God was with you. Jesus said to every one of his children, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm with you even to the end of the earth. God says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. The rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched and the flame will not burn you. Church, the Son of God enters the fire with us. You remember what David said? Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Whether it's Paul in the prison, whether it's Noah in the ark, whether it's Daniel in the den of lions as we'll talk about, or John exiled on the Isle of Patmos, God is with us in the furnace. And God wants us to be willing to face the fires of life in Babylon knowing that he will be with us in the fire. He will be with us. And so when Nebuchadnezzar calls out for the three men to come out of the fire, do you notice this? Only three come out. Three go in, he sees four. He calls for them to come out, only three come out. What happened to the fourth man? Well, I like what one guy said. He said he's still in there. He's still in the fiery furnace for when you get there. Perhaps. We know that he's not gonna leave us or forsake us no matter what we go through. So I wanna remind you tonight, Christian, that the don't, don't lose hope. It may be very hard what you're going through right now in your life. And you may not feel him right now in your fiery furnace, but take heart because he is with you. They had a friend in the fire. Also, they're free in the fire. They're not tied up. They're walking around. The fire didn't only... It, 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 what did it do? It burned away... The restrictions, it, it, it burned away the, the binding on them, the things that had them bound. The Lord used the fire to loosen these men from the ropes that held them. And this, I think, bears this wonderful truth and application that we can make here is that when the fires of, of, of life, those persecutions and afflictions that we face, when they come into our life, what we need to realize is that the Lord uses these things 
as a way of freeing us from some things in our life that abound our life. Have you noticed this in your life as you go through a furnace? That God uses that fiery furnace, that fiery trial in your life to free you from something. Maybe it was some, some part of life, some habit, whatever, that, that God used that experience to free you from it. Maybe it was worry, maybe it was fear. But, but here's what the scripture tells us. Peter writes this, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in the glory and praise and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that, that there's, some, there's, there's good that comes out of this. The furnace, God uses it in our life to purify oftentimes the dross, the besetting sins in our life. We oftentimes come out of the fire freer than when we walked into the fire. And they're walking around. Seems like they're at perfect peace. <laughs> Seems like they have no cares in the fire. And it can be the same way for us too. I believe that. We've experienced that in fires that we've faced in the past. Well, not only were they free, but they were fine. Verse 26, 27. Nebuchadnezzar calls them to come out. They come out, and what do they see? The fire had no effect on their bodies, these men. Not a hair of their head was singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Well, of course, Jesus was, was with them. And this is what Jude says, that he's able to protect us. Peter says the same thing, that we're guarded by God's power. With Jesus, we are safe even in the midst of the fire. They walk in, they walk around, and then they walk out. They're freed from the fire. They're freed from it. This is so awesome because it reminds us that the, the fires that we face are only temporary. Amen? Remember that. When you're going into the furnace, it, this is temporary. Jesus will be with me in it. He'll see me through it to the other side. Only our life in heaven will be for eternity. So the next time you're in the fire, remember this, that he's with you. It's temporary. But also know this, that while these three men were delivered, not all Christians throughout history have been preserved from the fiery flames. We have, to, we have to make this point right here. The first persecution of the church was in 67 AD under Nero, the sixth emperor of Rome. He was a barbarian. Had a terrible temper. He, he ordered Rome to be set on fire. And then he blamed the Christians for it. And what he did was that brought on this terrible slaughter. Some of these precious Christians were, were, were sewn into the skins of of wild beasts and then fed to wild dogs. They died. Other Christians were dressed in skirts of wax and tied to, to axle trees and set aflame in Nero's garden to illuminate his parties and feasts. This actually happened simply because they were Jesus' followers. Polycarp, the second century pastor at the church of Smyrna, he desired one hour of prayer before his execution and he prayed fervently. 
The proconsul demanded that he deny Jesus, and that was a thing back then. These Caesars believed they were God, so they demanded that everybody says, Jesus, or Caesar is Lord. And that was a problem for a Christian. Polycarp refused to do it, and they, and they, they, they begged him, like, Polycarp, just come on. You're an old man. Just say Caesar is Lord. And his reply was this. He said, 86 years I have served him. Never once has he wronged me. How shall I blaspheme my king who saved me? And they threw the match. Burned at the stake. It said that he sung, he was singing while the flames began to grow. And finally, an executioner pierced him with a spear. said that his blood came out and put out the flames to some degree. But, but the point, he died. And we can say, that's such a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. Everybody has to die. We're all, if Jesus doesn't come back, we are all going to die. The tragedy would have been if he denied his Lord The tragedy is what happens beyond this life. We put so much stock into this life and what happens here. We don't think about eternity. There's another story from the pages of church history of a Christian who was persecuted by Rome. The emperor said to this Christian, give up Christ and I won't banish you. The Christian said, you cannot banish me from Christ. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The emperor said, I'll confiscate your property. The Christian said, my treasures are laid up in heaven. You can't touch them. The emperor said, I'll kill you. The Christian said, I've been dead to the world in Christ for almost 40 years. My life is hid with Christ and God. You cannot touch it. And the emperor turned to one of the members of his court and said in frustration, what can you do with such a fanatic? And you know what this world needs, church, in this Babylon today? We need some more fanatics. That's what this world needs. Some more fanatics like Polycarp. Some more fanatics like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego whose faith is rock solid in Christ no matter what the world does. No matter what what the stand is, no matter what the cost is. That's what our world needs. You may not be able to fireproof your life here and now, But in Jesus, God has fireproofed you from his wrath. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Woo, glory, man. We're going to go through the fires, but there's no fire on the other side for a child of God. It's fireproof, praise God. Let me give you the, the fourth thing here, and we're done. The fame of God they forged. Here's the truth. God is glorified when we exercise fireproof faith. And this is what happens here. They come out of the fire, the king and, and all those saw it. And, and in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar exclaims this, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. And they viol- he says, They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I issue this decree. Here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's got a new decree. You know, I issue this decree. That anyone of any people, nation, language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from... This guy was really a... 
Whoa, pretty violent dude. They're going to be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump for there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. And then he rewards him. And in chapter 4, he says, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar, he writes this thing to, to all the people in his kingdom, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth. May your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the wonderful, about the, the miracles and wonders the most high God has done for me. How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom and is an eternal kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Here's what happens. When we go through the fiery furnace, when we don't compromise or fall apart or melt away, when we trust God, go into whatever fiery furnace he has us go into, we can know that people are watching and that people who see what God can do, see what God does in our life, can give glory to God. You know what happened? You know, I, I told you about the, the, the many millions of Christians who were martyred, like Polycarp. Do you know what happened? They, they said that the blood of the, the martyrs was the seed, right? I mean, the, the, the martyrs who gave their life, it didn't put a, a, a kibosh on Christianity, it fueled it. God, was glory, God gets the glory from our life, and oftentimes it is simply through the fiery furnaces that his people go through. So, what about us? We're done. What about us? Is your faith fireproof? Do you have a faith in God that's going to survive the fiery furnace, or is it going to melt away under the heat? I want you to know tonight that if you're passing through a, a fiery furnace right now, I want, I want to remind you, God's with you. Trust him. Look to him. Cling to him. Recognize that he can be glorified through what it is that you are going through right now. So here's your next steps. Number one, two simple ones tonight. Number one, I choose to trust and obey God no matter what it costs me. No matter what it costs, I choose to trust and obey God. Oh, that we might have men and women with the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I choose to trust and obey God no matter what it costs me. Number two, I will believe that Jesus is with me in my fiery furnace and walk with him through it, trusting his will, resting in his peace, and seeking his glory. What next step? you need to make tonight.